Hello, I'm Sherry House, a missionary living in Thailand who loves to study the lives of great women of whom it can be said she hath done what she could. Welcome to Silhouettes, my weekly story about a lady whose life challenges, encourages, and teaches me. I hope as you listen today, your heart will be encouraged and challenged too to do what you can for the Lord. So grab a cup of tea, sit back and enjoy. Let me tell you her story. Helen Thompson, or Nell as she was known by friends and family, was born on June 25, 1868 in Illinois. Nell's father was one of the city's foremost ice cream manufacturers and distributors. Their family faithfully attended church, and Nell trusted Christ as her Savior when she was 14 years old. While still a teenager, Nell began teaching Sunday school, and by the age of 18 was the supervisor of the intermediate department. Nell had an aptitude for organization and a head for business, and although it wasn't considered a ladylike pursuit at the time, her father recognized these strengths in her and sent her to business school and had her working in the family business. In 1886, when Nell was 18 years old, she met a guy named Billy Sunday. He was an orphan boy turned famous baseball player for the Chicago White Stockings. Nell and Billy began dating, and the following year, Billy proposed. They were married on September 5, 1888, when Nell was 20 years old. Their first child, Helen, was born the following year. A few years into their marriage, Nell's husband gave up his lucrative baseball career and chose to become an evangelist. For the next 10 years or so, Nell and Billy were separated quite often because of his speaking schedule. Both Nell and Billy were exhausted and had been pushed to their emotional and physical limits. Billy was extremely dependent on his wife's love, encouragement, and support. He struggled being away from her for long periods of time. With two more sons added to their family, Nell was struggling to manage all their household responsibilities and help her husband when he was so far away. They felt it was time his ministry had an administrator, and Billy decided that his wife was ideally suited for the job. So in 1907, she began traveling full-time with her husband and managing his campaigns. It was through Nell's cunning business sense and vast capabilities to handle all the responsibilities for the campaigns that Billy's small organization was launched to national fame and, most importantly, ministerial success. Nell met with each city's committee of leading churchmen, picked the location the tabernacle would be set up for the revival, sorted out publicity, managed all the finances, and supervised all the staff, which eventually numbered 26. As her husband's preaching campaigns grew larger, Nell found herself called upon more and more to speak to the women at special women's meetings during the campaigns. She also handled all her husband's correspondence. Nell managed Billy's campaign so well that it freed him up to focus completely on his messages. The Billy Sunday Crusades were a phenomenon, and Nell's husband eventually became America's most famous evangelist. Nell and Billy had a great love for each other that never wavered all their years of serving together. Billy affectionately called her Ma, and never failed to recognize her at each service he preached at. Everyone that attended one of Billy Sunday's meetings knew he loved his beloved Ma and knew he relied heavily on her, not only as a marriage partner, but also as a ministry partner. Nell's life was not without struggles, as all three of her sons turned away from the Lord at some point. George was married two times, arrested for drunkenness and auto theft, and eventually committed suicide when he was 40. William was married four times and died in a car accident when he was only 36. Paul was married two times and died in a plane crash when he also was 36. The Sundays often had to deal with problems caused by their son's many ex-wives amongst all their heartache. Nell's daughter Helen had a happy marriage and gave Nell her only grandchild, but tragically she died when she was only 42 due to health issues. Nell's strong faith and conviction that the work she and her husband were doing was having a great effect for the Lord helped her bear these heavy burdens and continue on. 
Nell traveled with her husband on the campaign circuit until his death in 1935. At first, she struggled to know her place in the Lord's work after her husband passed away, but the Lord showed her clearly that he still had plans to use her in his service. For the next 22 years, Nell continued on with speaking engagements, working with Youth for Christ in different Bible colleges, encouraging young evangelists and ministry workers, and raising money for various Christian organizations, especially rescue missions like the Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago where her husband had been saved. Nell was well-known and loved by many. Her sense of humor and her ability to laugh at herself helped endear her to others. The seriousness with which she approached any teaching concerning the Bible and her wealth of knowledge commanded the attention of those who sat under her teaching. As Nell got older, she suffered from cataracts, heart attacks, and cancer. On February 20, 1957, at the age of 88, Nell went home to be with her Lord. At her funeral, two eulogies were given to honor her and the work she had done. Then Dr. Bob Jones, Jr. stood up and said, I can hear my Sunday now saying, that's enough of this foolishness. Let's get down to business and talk about Jesus. Nell's focus was always on Christ. Well, you can find out more about Nell Sunday on my website, sherryhouse.com. But let me tell you another story from her life that resonated with one of my own. Nell was the backbone of her husband's campaigns. It has been rightly said that without her, his ministry would have never been so far-reaching or so successful. In the 10 years before Nell took over the responsibility for her husband's preaching engagements, he had visited about 70 communities, mostly in Iowa and Illinois. By the end of his career, 28 years later, Nell's husband had preached to over 80 million people, not counting those who had heard him preach on the radio or read his sermons in the newspapers. Conservatively, it has been said over a million people came to know Christ because of his preaching and because of Nell's organization of the meetings. Billy was not threatened by Nell's capabilities and good horse sense, as he called it. He relied on her strengths and utilized them. Here is just one example. Nell had the great ability to look at something holistically. In preparation for accepting an invitation for her husband to speak in a particular city, she would be taken to a location picked out by a committee and would walk through in her mind the entire campaign from parking, traffic flow in and out of the area, restrooms, seating capacity, other happenings in the area, and things like that. For their famous 1917 campaign in New York City, Nell had to travel to New York to meet with the committee church leaders to be shown venues that they had picked out. These were turned down for various reasons. One venue was near the ball fields, and Nell knew the Sunday games would be going on at the same time the Sunday revival meeting would be. She knew that every time there would be a home run, there'd also be a burst of applause, which would disrupt the service. Another venue was turned down because of the surrounding neighborhood and the fact that she knew the parking facilities would never hold the amount of people she felt would attend. The committee members were discouraged as it had been difficult to find these two places. But finally, they found a place they felt she would approve of, and Nell made yet another trip to New York to see it. She agreed, and a date was set for the revival. That campaign lasted 10 weeks. It was attended by 1,443,000 people, and over 98,000 came forward to accept Christ. After a seven-week campaign in 1913 in Columbus City, the local newspaper published an article entitled The Power of Nell. Here are some excerpts from it. Whatever Billy Sunday has done for Columbus, he cannot have failed to have left deeply imprinting in the hearts of all that heard him preach a wonderful example of the love of a strong man for his wife. 
who can have failed to notice his loving references to Nell? From the first day to the last of his seven weeks campaign, he acknowledged her power. And the beauty of it all was that she was not striving to establish something. No, she was just trying to show herself a real live helpmate. Nell's story struck a chord with me for several reasons. I too have been told I have the ability to look at something holistically and quickly see all the ins and outs and what will work and what won't work for a special event, a conference, or a new ministry idea. I'm not sure if it's the mathematician in me or what, but the Lord has given me at least some ability in the area of analyzing, evaluating, and thinking of things that others might not think of. My coworkers know after a planning session that I'm going to say something like this, now let's do a walkthrough from top to bottom. I absolutely love organizing events, and being in the ministry these many years has given me the opportunity to organize everything from weddings, various conferences, spring and fall programs, and special Sundays, to kids clubs, ladies' ministry programs, and even a language school. I'm well known for my clipboard that seems to be attached to my arm and my copious lists. When I was ministering in Whanganui, New Zealand, our church held yearly soul-winning conferences, spring programs, missions conferences, and more. My ministry partner, Amber Bushy, and I absolutely loved to make these events spectacular and strove to really set the stage and drive home the theme. We tried to think of the best ways to make the event an encouragement to those who attended or participated with the underlying goal always to draw others to Christ and help Christians to grow spiritually. From brainstorming to expanding on a theme to executing our wild and crazy ideas, I loved all of it. Amber had her strengths and I had mine, and together we were a dynamic duo. Today I'd like to do a little Bible study that I've entitled Being a Helpmeet. I'd like to talk a little bit about what this word actually means. There's a reason why Jesus sent his disciples out in twos. There is strength in numbers, and as the Bible verse teaches us in Ecclesiastes 4, 9-10, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. I love studying different dynamic duos in the Bible, like Moses and Aaron, Elijah and Elisha, Deborah and Barak, David and Jonathan, and Paul and Silas. These all had a great partnership and were effective in their service for the Lord. The first partnership that God ever created was Adam and Eve. After God created Adam, he said it was not good that he was alone, and so he created Eve and brought her to him. The saying has been around for years that God made Eve not from Adam's head to rule over him and not from his feet to be ruled over by him, but from his side so that she could walk beside him. Many people have wrongly taught that the woman was created to be a servant to the man, almost as if the female creation was somehow of lesser value or importance than the male creation. If they don't go so far as to say that women are of lesser value or lesser importance in God's creation, they will usually at least say that God created men to do the work and women to serve and help. They will often quote Genesis 2.18 to back up their thinking. That verse says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. But if one actually takes the time to study this passage in context and in the original Hebrew, you will find that God uses the Hebrew word etzer in this verse. The word etzer doesn't mean servant at all. It actually means to rescue, to save, and to be strong. The word etzer is found in the Old Testament 21 times. God uses it twice to describe his creation of women three times to reference powerful nations that Israel called on for help when they were being besieged, and 17 times to refer to himself. I'm sure we would never think 
that God would ever be referencing himself in a subservient position to his creation, just as we would not consider any powerful nation that came to rescue the Israelites to be an inferior nation. The word etzer is never used for an inferior person. The word etzer doesn't suggest helper as in a servant, but helper as in a savior, rescuer, or protector. Isn't it interesting that God chose to use this term to describe his creation woman? Eve was created not to serve the man, but to serve with the man. They were to join forces. No one would deny that men and women are different. That is the beauty of the relationship and teamship that God ordained when he created marriage. One's strengths complement the other's weaknesses, and together, if they can work in harmony and cooperation, they can make a wonderful team to accomplish a goal for Christ. This truth is not just for the partnership of marriage, but holds true for any partnership. Through the years, I have been so blessed to have co-workers who have seen the value in me being a helpmeet to their ministry. Together, we have seen the Lord do miraculous things. I have been blessed to work with missionary pastors who were not intimidated by my strengths, but instead gave me freedom to use them to further the cause of Christ where we were serving together. If you are a woman, I encourage you to see your role in light of how God sees you, someone created to serve Him, someone He has endowed with special talents and gifts for a specific purpose, someone who comes alongside and uses these God-given strengths to further the cause of Christ. I encourage you to look for ways to utilize your strengths. Don't let them be wasted. Remember, you are an etzer, a strong, powerful rescuer. If you are a ministry leader, I encourage you to be honest with yourself about your weaknesses and find someone who can counterbalance them. Any good leader recognizes that a one-man band attitude keeps a ministry small and limits its effectiveness for Christ. Don't be afraid of someone else's strengths. Instead, utilize them. There are etzers everywhere. Give them the freedom to help you, and together you can accomplish great things for the Lord. Well, I hope you've enjoyed today's silhouette about Nell Sunday and this matter of being a helpmeet for the Lord. She truly was a woman of whom it could be said, she hath done what she could. Let's you and I go do what we can do. Silhouettes with Sherry is written and told by missionary Sherry House. To learn more about Sherry, this story, or other stories about women who were used of God, read Sherry's blog at sherryhouse.com. That's S-H-A-R-I house.com. Silhouettes can be heard at this time every week on this station. Silhouettes is a Causeway Media and Faith Music Radio production. Thank you.